Welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. This is Matt Zapala, your host and creator of Euphoria Health and Active Living, your go-to hub for all information on movement, sustainability, and plant-based nutrition. My main goal is to generate happiness, and I couldn't think of a more fitting word to represent my brand than Euphoria. Join me as I dive into raw conversation with qualified professionals, athletes, influential individuals, and many more. It's time now to introduce this week's special guest. This week on the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Linda Weatherlake, the owner and operator of Nina, which is a completely vegan and cruelty-free boutique. Linda is offering luxurious and trendy fashionable items that are ethically sourced and don't harm any animals in any way, shape or form. Even though we recorded this episode in a parked car along Chapel Street, we still covered some amazing content including the distinct difference between being vegan and being plant-based, explaining the horrific things that are going on in modern day fashion and cosmetics, what Linda is doing at Nina and the products she sells, as well as tips on how to shop for cruelty-free products and prove that we can live a trendy, fashionable life without harming any animals. Linda aims to change the world one handbag at a time and is doing an amazing job, so let's dive right in. Linda, thanks for coming down, making time for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So just to paint the picture for you guys, we're currently sitting in a side street off Chapel (laughs) Street, (laughs) sipping our soy lattes in the car. So hopefully there's no big trucks to come by and get some background noise. Let's dive straight into it, Linda. Tell us a little bit about what life was like growing up. So I grew up in a regional town called Albury, Albury-Donga, on the border of New South Wales and Victoria, and I spent a lot of my days playing sport, kind of every sport imaginable, and it was just a really kind of chilled out, low-key childhood. Nice. Good. And do you have any siblings? I have one older sister, awesome. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And when and why did you move down to Melbourne? I wasn't planning on moving to Melbourne. I went overseas when I finished school for a year and then thought I would do something different to everybody else and moved to Sydney. And I hated it so much. So I stayed there for a year and then ended up in Melbourne and just love it. There you go. And I've been here for, oh, seven years now. Melbourne or Sydney? (laughs) I think my seven years here to my nine months there says a lot. Definitely. I asked Tyson the same thing and the coffee got him over the line, which is good. Oh, really? (laughs) We're spoiled here, that's for sure. Oh, 100%. Tell us a little bit more about growing up. What sort of sports did you play? How was your nutrition? Like, did you place a huge emphasis on your nutrition or anything? So, I played a lot of hockey, yep. field hockey. Um, I did a lot of swimming, athletics, and water polo. Awesome. I turned vegetarian when I was six. So, wow. kind of just when I was started to play hockey. And, I mean, nutrition to me wasn't a big thing. I was you know, young, even kind of growing up. Yes, I cared about it, but I cared for what I already knew and what I was taught. I didn't care for learning new things. So dairy for me was a big one. Um, Loved it. Yogurt, milk, all of that. But meat was kind of never really a thing. So what were your motives behind going vegetarian? Was it something that your parents were doing? Um, No, I was raised with my sister by my mum and she was a meat eater. Um, So she would make separate meals every night for us. And I think we had chooks and we were always around animals. So I think it just made that connection. And mum was really good in the sense that she she never lied to us. She kind of told us the truth and let us, my sister and I, make our decision, which we did. That's great. 
and I guess a lot of people aren't connected to the side or the the truth of what happened, mm. how how it got there on their plate. So to be exposed to that at such a young age is quite good, and it's turned into the person that you are today. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful for that kind of upbringing. Yeah, absolutely awesome. I've noticed a lot through my research there's a bit of controversy around being vegan and being plant-based. Would you be able to explain the difference between the two? Um, I personally think there are some pretty clear differences, but I think the line's blurred. So I think it's open to interpretation for everybody. But for me, vegan um, is your whole life is kind of doing as little harm as possible to animals. Plant-based, you're more just looking at your diet. which I think people don't see as an option, especially when your wardrobe comes into it. A lot of people don't realise that your wardrobe probably isn't vegan. So they're adapting a more of a plant-based lifestyle. Um, but that for me would be the difference. Love it. And we'll touch on what you're doing later on. But tell us a little bit more about your upbringing with turning plant-based. Did you have support from mm-hmm. the people around you, um, particularly heading into your teens? Um, I didn't turn vegan until I moved to Melbourne. Okay. Um, my sister had gone vegan And as I said, mum was always really accepting with what we wanted to do, even though I didn't live at home anymore. And it was just a matter of me trialling and seeing how it worked for me. Um, I did a lot of research into the dairy industry and was absolutely sickened by what I found. So I thought it was just time. You know, if people don't agree with it, then so be it. This is what I'm doing. Yep. But my mum's pretty much vegan now too, so Love it. <laughs> who's the real winner here? <laughs> it, it does happen like that, the following yeah. effect. I know yeah, um, absolutely. my family were never open to it at the beginning and now like every time I go over there, they're increasing their, yeah. their uh, repertoire of foods, which is good. And I think it's that generation as well. The marketing for when they were growing up was incredible. Yeah. Like the marketing of the dairy industry, like in the sense of needing calcium and everything, unbelievable. But now that we can kind of see... The other side of it, we can make our own decisions. And boils down to the amount of money that was funded into oh. these businesses. To, oh, it still is, right? Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, but that's a whole separate mm. other issue. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. So I have an e-commerce business called nina.com.au. Awesome. So we are a vegan and cruelty-free boutique specializing in like vegan leather handbags and wallets and skincare and soon-to-be shoes. Exciting. Um, it is very, very exciting. I'm a massive fashion addict, so to be able to incorporate it into my life and yep. my passions, it's very exciting. Fantastic. Yeah. And do you have any side projects or side jobs that you're doing as well? <laughs> yes, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> projects, not so much jobs, yes. Um, so I'm working at Lululemon. Cool. A couple of days a week. And then just a few little jobs here and there, but the main hustle is Nina. Nice. Love it. How many hours a week did you say you put into... Nina stuff. <laughs> um, hours I probably wouldn't be able to tell you I don't know yeah. but days probably uh, six and a half well so quite full on yeah yeah I guess when you're passionate about something though you don't work a day in your life do you no exactly <laughs> and if you love what you do it's enjoyable it's like it's mixing your hobby with your work yeah and that's fun i couldn't definitely vouch for that that's yeah, for sure that's why we're exactly, sitting here exactly lattes, <laughs> talking in the car <laughs> so melbourne <laughs> i reckon awesome tell us a bit more about nina so mm-hmm. are you like a pop-up store do you have a location are you online what, what's happening there so we're purely online um for now yeah and in the f- there's nothing really that we see happening as a storefront um we really just want to reach as and as far and wide as possible. 
Um, just to paint the picture, guys, someone just walks past with two open bottles of VB, so it's quite quite so large. Don't look as bad anymore. Um, no, I really just want to reach as many people as I can. Yeah, and try and spread the word that vegan fashion doesn't have to be hippie or weird or for sure anything like that. It doesn't have to be hemp or cotton. Yep. It can be nice, kind of premium luxury goods. Yeah, so. great. On that luxury note, what sort of materials are the products made of? Does it vary? Or? Yeah, it absolutely varies. Yep. Um, a lot of it, the companies that we're working with are becoming far more sustainable. So we have one brand, JW Pay, and they use 50% recycled plastics and going towards being a 100% recycled product. Awesome. Um, they use a lot of plastic water bottles that are recycled and weave them into a yarn and then into the product. Okay. Um, and then we have another brand, Angela Roy, who are developing these microfiber vegan leathers just to like replicate real leather. Great. Mm. That's very exciting. I don't know. It's a way of the future of like sustainability, the damage that Absolutely. we're doing um, to this planet. We don't realize yet, but mm. maybe not our generation, but definitely the next generation will will feel that coming. Give us an insight into the processes and materials used for modern day cosmetics and luxury goods, as opposed to what you're doing. So to start with fashion and leather in particular, um, a lot of people don't realise that leather can be from any animal. I'm talking dogs, I'm talking cats, goats, cows, everything. And there is a huge demand for leather now that the dog meat industry in China has found that they can make more money from the dog skin to turn yeah. into leather. Yeah. And because leather doesn't have to be labelled as what animal it comes from. You know, we are, well, people are walking around holding dog skin bags and and, you know, cat skin bags. And that, for me, to be able to educate people on that side, they may not be connected to a cow like they are a dog, but they don't know that it's a cow. So, I mean, that is a big thing for Nina to try and, I don't know, get people over the fact that leather's luxury. Because yep. it's not. It's really not. For sure. Um, skincare, a lot of people know there's a lot of cosmetic testing. Um, there's a lot of animal byproducts that go into cheap skincare. So anything like fat that's boiled down from the meat industry can go in as a filler and just things like that. So just keeping everything clean and without any harm. Great. And do you think that people people who are walking around with those leather bags or leather mm. jackets know where leather came from? No way. Because if people knew, they would not wear it. They would not buy it and they would not think it's luxury. And is that why the retailers aren't labelling as where that leather comes from? Yeah, well, people people don't want to know. Well, not that they don't want to know. It it wouldn't be... You wouldn't be able to sell that product if people knew. For all the dog lovers, like in Melbourne, for example, imagine if they knew that their leather clutch was actually dog skin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't sit right with them. So it would completely wipe out an industry if it was more transparent. For sure. I know personally, I've been vegan for 10, 12 months now, mm-hmm. and I only found out that leather actually came from animals about six months ago. So <laughs> even being involved, heavily involved in that industry, you still don't understand where it comes no. from. When people are shopping for like these luxury mm-hmm. goods in inverted commas, what are some tips for people to look out for to ensure their products are cruelty-free or don't um, involve the process of hurting animals? Um... I suppose it's just like reading the packet when you go into the shops of a yep. of a food product. You want to know what's in it. Yeah. If you don't know, if the shop assistant can't tell you, then they don't know, and it can't really be traced. Yeah. So literally, like shopping for food, read the label. Cool. Um, and clothing will always have 
like the blend of fibers in it so it just comes down to radiant fantastic and do you have any standout materials that you know off the top of your head that are involved like animal cruelty with them that people can look out for if they're reading the labels um well one especially in melbourne i know pops up and is a struggle for a lot of people is wool yep um as a vegan i steer clear of wool um it is put into a lot of our winter apparel our jackets our jumpers there are a lot of synthetic fibers you can use that you kind of you don't need wool because of it um but the main ones just leather fur and yeah, they're probably the main ones to awesome. look out for. Yeah, and they can be, you cemented before, there can be hidden traces of those through materials as well. Yes, cool. and um, a lot of, like jeans for instance, they use a leather tag. Just ask the question. Yep, fantastic. If the shop person doesn't know, then don't buy it. Stay clear. Yeah. And we're in 2018, so there's definitely other options, that's oh, for sure. Around. Seriously. <laughs> You're walking proof of that. So too. many options. And you don't have to be weird or hippie. Like, there's just so many options. You can be a trendy vegan. For sure. We'll touch a little bit about the stereotype of a vegan later on. Let's talk more about how you source the products and Mm -hmm. materials at Nina. So I started Nina because I knew there were so many amazing brands out there and I couldn't, as an Australian, get access to them. Okay. So I think I used to work in with a fashion publisher and, you know, I was so exposed to all of these brands, but couldn't get them here. So I was able to, when I started Nina, kind of know what I wanted, who I wanted to talk to, and was able to find the brands that way. There you go. Yeah. And what's what's the name replicate? Just <laughs> <laughs> so my my family calls me Nina. Okay. It is my home name. It was what they wanted to call me as a child, but the dog's name was Tina. Couldn't have Nina. Tina. <laughs> That's so quite good. I got, Easy, yeah. I got aged by calling them calling me Linda <laughs> straight out of the womb. Aged fifty years. <laughs> I guess they'd be happy that your now business is Nina. Then. Yeah, and it's good because people close to me know that it is me, yep. and it means a lot to me without having my name splashed everywhere. Yep, great. So. Awesome. What are some products that you guys sell at Nina? Sell handbags, wallets, watches, leather watches. Vegan leather watches, um, all sorts of skincare, hair care. Great. And as I said, shoes. So really taking the um, cruelty-free luxury to a new standpoint. Yeah, and just making it really accessible for people. Yeah, awesome. I love what you're doing there, and I know that uh, a lot of my listeners will definitely love what you're doing too. So well done, Linda. Are you doing that all by yourself, or do you have some help from other people as well? Um, I have no full-time help. There are a fair few people I reach out to here and there. But it's predominantly just me. Fantastic. I noticed that you have been going to like some pop-up stores at some markets and stuff. Can you Mm -hmm. touch on? Yeah, so we did um, Big Vegan Market this year and then World Vegan Day last year. Awesome. Um, Unfortunately, fortunately, the store is now probably too big to do them just because the range is too big. So we'll hopefully be looking to do a physical pop-up. Fantastic. Very exciting. I didn't want to say that just in case it didn't happen. (laughs) I'm that, holding you to that the, No, it's the goal. <laughs> we could manifest it together, oh, that's for seriously. sure. <laughs> that's so good. Let's talk more about your nutrition nowadays, now that mm-hmm. you're more educated. Yep. What sort of foods are you um, eating and preparing at home? So since starting Nina, I haven't had the time to really prepare as I used to, but yep. I still make sure my diet's really colourful. Um, I'm not a fussy vegan. I eat everything that's vegan. Um, and I'm not super strict either. If I want chocolate, I'm going to eat chocolate, vegan chocolate. Um, 
But I'm yeah, not great with prepping. Okay. Love cooking, but just not great with it at the moment. Awesome. And then did you ever combat any like negativity or people not being open to your transition? How did you <laughs> I combat it? I still combat. Yeah. I still combat. I think I was only just talking to somebody about it today and unfortunately it teaches you to have really thick skin. Um, but it also teaches you to be educated in the field. So you've got something to say. I mean, you usually get the same dumb comments all the time, but if you know your stuff, no one can catch you out. Yeah. Like no argument is good enough. If you're well educated, you can combat it all. Do you have any resources or websites, documentaries that you use to help your education? Um, nothing in particular. A lot of like the cowspiracy and everything. Yeah. I think they're great. I personally, personally can't stomach a lot of them. Yeah. Um, my theory is if you can't stomach it, you can't be a part of it. So I'm okay. I'm vegan. Um, <laughs> but Plant Proof, that one podcast is really good. And his Instagram's really, really good. Just yeah. a quick read. I mean, I don't have time to be scrolling the web all day, but um, just for a quick read, Plant Proof's really for good. For sure. And I use um, Plant Proof a lot. Simon's a big inspiration for me and his podcasts are great. So um, definitely head over there to for some inspiration as well. I guess you touched on before that self-education is vital, Mm -hmm. not only for your own health, but just to understand what's happening in the industry and how to combat all these things, whether it's from like a luxury material Mm -hmm. standpoint or a nutrition standpoint as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because um, marketing is so clever, I think if you're well educated in this area, you won't kind of fall for the traps. For sure. So it's just kind of protecting yourself as well. Great. How can we be more active in the community about the issue? So that's if you're vegan already, how can they, how can we go out and spread mm-hmm. the word or how can other people be more like mindful about what they're doing? I think it's honestly the most powerful thing is talking to those closest to you. Yep. If you talk to somebody, share your standpoint with them and then they share it with somebody else, it just kind of rolls on. Um, I personally think that's more beneficial than going out and doing like marches and everything. I think just find the people closest to you, get them on board, and then they'll spread the word. Awesome. I love it. And be happy doing what you're doing, because yes. if you're miserable, no one wants to join you. That's in. for sure. <laughs> That's so true. Let's touch back on the stereotypes of a vegan. So mm. the, the common stereotype these days is is hippie, oh, three-quarter pants, yeah. rainbow top, oh. <laughs> beard, walking around with a soy latte. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> you just need a beard now. <laughs> Um, Soy lattes are good, by the way. Oh, very good. Um, I hate the stereotype. It really, really peeves me because I'll meet people and I'll say, oh, I'm vegan, like pretty strictly vegan. And they go, you don't look vegan. What the fuck does a vegan <laughs> look like? Like, it's in every aspect of life, everything, everyone's so diverse that we've kind of pigeonholed this veganism as a hippie kind of you know don't shower those kind of people and it's not true it isn't true that's for sure but you've just got to be a walking billboard (laughs) correct you do correct I think the vegan community is thriving in particular with a lot of plant-based athletes that are Mm. now coming out and if they can thrive at the top level and not be that stereotype three-quarter pants rainbow top (laughs) soy latte drinking person don't stereotype (laughs) their lattes (laughs) <laughs> just keeps coming back into conversation. Um, then we can all thrive from that. So, mm. yeah, I, I love that people are getting more active in the community about it, which is cool. In your experience, Linda, what are some pantry and fridge essentials for someone transitioning into a plant-based mm. diet that are going to make their taste buds ignite? Oh, that's a really great question. 
I personally have peanut butter, dates, um, and bananas and avocados. Awesome. All my favourite things. If I had to live off a few things, it would be that. Great. Tips for like people seasoning their food, should they use like lots of spices? What in particular? I know I use a lot of nutritional yeast. Love nutritional yeast. For anyone who doesn't know about your nutritional yeast, they need to learn about it. Plant-based or not, you definitely need to have that. Absolutely. It just makes everything cheesy. Um, I'm not big into salt, not big into sauces. I use a lot of kind of curried powder, I suppose, paprika, those kind of spices. But I think when you start buying good quality plant-based food, you realise that there is so much flavour in them. For sure. If you're always shopping at, you know, like your supermarket from produce, then there's not that much flavour. But as soon as you go to your markets, you see such a difference. Yeah, for sure. I think spices are the key. I remember Mm -hmm. when I first started working at Particle, Zach told me that if people seasoned a piece of broccoli the same way they'd season a piece of steak... Exactly the same. It would taste the same. Yeah. Maybe not the texture-wise, but... Do you get the point that we're But realistically, when you're um, seasoning meat, you're seasoning it with plants. Yes. So if you just get that texture right, use the same seasoning. There you go. Same, same. Masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us some of your favourite places to eat out. Um, I do love Particle. It is a long way from me, but I do love it. It's worth the trip. <laughs> it is definitely worth the trip. Um, I love macaroni the italian place in clifton hill me and beck just went there a couple weeks ago i can't say the second part of the name macaroni osteria yeah i think (laughs) (laughs) something like that um oh there's just so so many places yong's yong's green food on brunswick street is amazing Smith and Daughters and Smith and Deli. Love it. They're my favourites. Uh, every person that I've interviewed in the podcast that asked that question in that are plant-based and always gets stuck the last minute. <laughs> oh, it's, it's tough because everywhere has plant-based options now. Like fourth chapter up the road, they do an amazing vegan acai. Like, yeah, there's components of all these different restaurants that I love. Love it. Again, on the topic of eating out, what is some tips for some people that are vegan and their yep. friends are not? How can they combat that stereotype and avoid the conflict when um when eating out well i just think do your own thing yeah um one it's not their business what you eat yeah uh if it was an allergy they'd never question it and two i think if you've got good people around you they never will question it it's a great point they'll pat you on the back and say hey it's not for me but you're doing a great thing awesome anyone who gives you shit they shouldn't be a friend that's a great point wipe them surrounding yourself with like-minded people is is um is awesome and I know like now I only mm. surround myself with like-minded people people yeah. are going to make me grow and clearly you're the same so. but even not necessarily like-minded just people who are prepared to put your differences aside yep yeah question a few things maybe but not make a debate out of it like just kind of respect what you're doing for sure yeah Love it. Well, Linda, thank you so much for your time today. I love ex- everything that you're doing uh, with Nina and what you're preaching in um, your everyday life. Where can we reach you to follow your journey? Um, on Instagram, yep. I am Linda Weatherlake, and then Nina, the Instagram handle is nina.com.au. Awesome. And I'll have those avenues in the show notes for you guys. Hey, Thanks thank again, you for having Linda. me. Awesome. See you guys. And that's this week's dose of Euphoria. Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, And remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria.